Over the last several weeks, built a little trilogy to end this focus for us this year. Uh, we talked about how that we're bruised and blessed. All of us have been bruised. We've all been hurt. And it's very easy to hold on to our hurts and get our identity from our hurts, our bruises. But the Bible said about Jesus that a bruised reed he wouldn't break. And there are some, sometimes that, that uh, we, we can think that God is just trying to break us. And no, he doesn't. His heart is never to break the bruised. His heart is actually to strengthen the bruised so the bruised can heal. Right? And so um, we countered the, broke, the bruised side with the blessed side and talked about um, how that there was a person that was in a synagogue and he had a withered hand. In other words, he was bruised. And because of that withered hand, it gave him the opportunity to be blessed, to have healing come to him. So what if the bruises that we've experienced are setups for God to show us how much he cares and loves us? Have you ever thought of it that way? So though we're bruised, we're also blessed. Then we came back last week and talked about how that we're healed and whole. There's a difference in healing and wholeness. Healing is dealing with a specific issue. Wholeness is talking about your entire person. He doesn't just want you to be healed physically. He wants you to be healed in your entire body, your emotions, your mind, and your soul, okay? And today I want to conclude this little trilogy, again, looking at things that are in heaven. So heaven is going to be filled with people that have been bruised. Yeah. You with me? Yeah. And because they've been bruised, they've been blessed. Heaven is going to be he filled with people that have been healed and people that are whole. Yeah. And heaven is also filled with people who have been tested and found true. All right, so let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. We're going to hang here today. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. If you've been born again, say amen. Amen. All right, so guess what? You're not a sinner saved by grace. That's right. No. Sorry, that's bad theology. Yeah. That person's dead. I'm now a son, a child of God. A son and an heir. Yeah. Okay, we, we hang on to our past way too long. Yeah. Let it go. That's, not who, that's who you were. That's not who you are. Amen. We have been born again, a new person, yeah. because God raised Jesus from the dead. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, do you think he can raise you from your dead life? Sure, sure he can. That's what it means to be born again. Right. Amen. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance is, is directly tied to a person's heritage. Yeah. Yeah. If you've stayed in a Hilton hotel, the offspring of Mr. Hilton inherit that fortune because of their heritage. You with me? Yeah. Reason why it's important that you be born again is because when you are born again, that rebirthing gives you a new inheritance because you've got a new lineage. You've got a new heritage. If you want to hold on to who you were, who you were born with naturally, guess what? There's a difference in inheritance there. That's right. But if you will let go of who you were and embrace who God has made you to be, you get a new heritage. You're born again. And with that heritage comes an inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed 
on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Now, why did he have to end it with that statement, right? Isn't that just so encouraging? Hey, you got this great inheritance. Now, remember that when you're facing troubles. Sure. Remember that there is something better awaiting you than what you are experiencing in this earth. Yeah. There's trials, there's tests for a little while. Let me give you three purposes for testing. Number one, testing proves your purity. Testing proves purity. The idea here is gold that is refined in the fire. The beautiful gold ring on your wife's or your husband's hand did not start out that color. It actually was much, much dirtier and darker. But as they heat it up in a furnace and melt it down, the impurities rise to the top and they're able to skim the impurities off until that which is left, the gold that you see, remains. But how many of you know that that gold that we have is still somewhat impure? That the purest gold is actually translucent when there's no impurities at all in it. So testing the fires actually prove the purity of life. Let me give you a scripture. The next verse in 1 Peter 1, 7 says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. We will fight people who try to come and take our gold rings. But we won't fight the enemy who comes and tries to steal our faith. And yet our faith is much more valuable from God's vantage point than anything gold that we have in our life. And the only way that our, that our faith improves or becomes pure is by going through these tests, through these trials, through these situations that, that cause us to bend our knee and trust in God and not only in our own efforts. Testing proves the purity of our faith. It proves the purity of our life. So instead of resisting these tests, maybe we need to learn to just lean into them a little bit. Yeah. Testing proves purity. Testing also produces perfection. Yes, perfection. I want to throw a phrase out to you. Get ready. It's a shocking one. And as soon as I say it, you're going to say, that's not true. And I understand. Just let me, let me. Here's the phrase. God's not perfect, I am. <laughs> Told you. Now, I'm playing with the word perfect. If you look up the word perfect in the Webster's Dictionary, one of the qualifications of perfect is that it's constantly improving. Can God improve? No. But I can. Yeah. I am being perfected into the person that God has made me to be. We need to change our mindset from I'm a horrible person to I am perfectly designed. Yeah. I'm, I've got weaknesses. No, I've got perfect strength. Yeah. I've got precious problems. No, you don't. You've got precious perfection in your heart. Yeah. You are who God designed you to be. You are not who you think you are. Right. And that's the problem. Right. We're better than we think we are. We're stronger than we think we are. Yeah. That's true. Yes. That's true. I am perfectly holy right now. Because my, my holiness is not based on what I do or don't do. It's based in the redemption of Jesus Christ, yeah. who cannot be improved on. He's way beyond perfect. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I am being perfected. So if we play with that definition, I'm being perfected. But God can't be improved on. He's just God. I told you I was going to play with it. But do you see what I'm getting at? We got to flip our mentality from being someone who struggles with my bruises all of my life to someone who determines, I'm going to get over this. When my mom died, hopefully next year, I won't talk about that so much because we're already past a year. But when mom died, I learned the power of the phrase, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The key word in that is through. Yes. Through. That means a processing beyond. Yeah. And I know so many people that have gotten stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. That's a horrible place to be, in my opinion. Amen. Because you're holding on to the, we're holding on to the bruises, and if we're not careful, the bruise will then overtake us. And man, that's a, hor- that's a troubling place to be. The truth is, all of us suffer loss, just like God suffers loss. Yeah, that's why he turned his back on Jesus when Jesus was on the cross. Jesus experienced and God experienced the the depth of loss. But yet in the midst of the loss, there is hope on the other side because he rose Jesus from the dead. And there is hope for us on the other side. That's why we mourn as those would have hope instead of those who don't have hope. Everything that we go through is about coming through it, not getting stuck in it. And I am, I just, I love you enough to tell you Some of you have held on to bruises for 50 years that God wants you, if you would just let go of it, you will become a happier person, a more gracious person, a less frustrated person. You'll be a greater expression of who Christ is to those around you, but it can't happen until you let go of who you were and embrace who God has made you to be. That is true. All right? Um, That was pretty good. So good, my, my iPad went to sleep. Don't you go to sleep now. All right. Uh, James 1, two, and th- 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Hallelujah. Yeah. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, let me tell you where I faced this this week. My wife asked me to go to the grocery store. She doesn't ask me to do that very often, but I swear to you, Kevin, it was way more expensive to get nothing than it was last month. Like, I'm talking about like toilet paper and some paper products. You know, you walk out, it's 50 bucks. Like, my goodness. And I stood at the cash register and thought, okay, Lord, um, we got to have toilet paper. So you got to come through, you know. I mean, let, let's, let's have joy, Father, that, that toilet paper costs so much. And then I was standing there, and I'm not kidding you. And then he, he brought back to my mind, or maybe I thought about it, but I think it was God. You remember in 2020 when you couldn't find any toilet paper? <laughs> Your faith has been tested and improved, son. You know? So count it all joy when you face trials of many kind for... Though you know that when your faith is, faith is tested, sorry, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Yeah. So we are being perfected. We are being completed. There is the truth that everything is completed in Christ. Yeah. Okay. There is also the truth that we are learning how to embrace that and apply it in our life. Yes. Okay. 
And that's the framework that we should go with. Not this, oh man, I've been beaten and I'm a horrible person and yada, yada, yada. How about you flip the script in your mind of who you are? Change your identity. You're not your bruise. You are blessed. You're not hurt. You are healed. You're not just healed. You are whole. And though you are tested, you're being proven to be true. Amen. Flip your perspective. And lastly, testing is punctuated. I love this. Get ready for this. Testing is punctuated with praise. I struggle with this one because if you notice on your note sheets, there's a T and a P and then a P, you know, uh, I had to find this word punctuated, but boy, it sure does work well. Testing punctuated with praise. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. We stand here and we sing praises to God, right? Do you know what's going to happen when we walk into glory? There's going to be praises and there's going to be singing and it won't be you singing. It'll be singing about you. Check this out. First Peter 1, 7. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Do you know who's, we are spending a lifetime singing his praises and do you know what he's warm enough to do? To sing yours. To sing about how you made it through. To sing about all the times that you made it through the struggles that came your way. Where you didn't give in to your bruises, but you embraced your blessing. Where you didn't over, be overcome by trials, but you allowed your trials to prove your faith true. Jesus wants to sing about you. Yeah. Do you know that there's a scripture in Psalms that says that he sings over you? That's true. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. Now I don't know about you, but one of the hardest things for me to do is for somebody to give me a compliment. So when someone comes to me and they, they say, man, that was, a, that was a really good message. I'm like, okay, great, thanks. I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. Now listen, let me tell you a little secret about ministers. The ones that we think are the worst messages are the ones we get the most compliments on. <laughs> it, tends to be it, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, I, were you listening to me today? Because I didn't like what I said today. Anyway. But then when you're someone who lives in who you have been and hasn't fully embraced who you are, Let me talk about that person who has been for most of my life because of issues that I've dealt with and still dealing with, um, issues that I want to encourage you guys to deal with. We're going to actually help you do that in 2023. Um, We focus a lot on spiritual healing and stuff, but there's other parts of ourselves that needs to get healed. We need to get healed in our mind. And we need to get healed in our emotions. Yeah. Let me tell you what. Emotional hurt is damaging. And is way more, it's, it's way under dealt with in the church. We're, gonna ha- we're actually going to, we're planning to help deal with that starting in 2023. We're going to have some classes that you can go through to help you deal with emotional hurts. Um, but when you do, what's going to happen is you're going ha- to come face to face with why you act the way you do. And the opportunity to let go of who you have been and embrace who you are. Who God has made you to be. Does that make sense? Okay. So when you're someone like me who has had emotional hurts most of my life that I never dealt with, I grew up with a very poor self-image, horrible self-image. I was a good singer. I won contests. That's what I was known for. Um, uh, But there was this performance side of me that was always because of an issue that happened early in my childhood by about the age of eight a disappointment that came into my life. And, And honestly, I won't even tell you about the situation, but just know that 
looking back, I didn't understand the severity of it because it wouldn't seem to be that big of a deal. But it was a major marker in my life. So let me tell you something. If you can look back in your past right now and know key events that were disappointing or painful that turned your life, events that if you say, if I could go back and do those over again, those are major markers you probably need to deal with. And one of these dealt, affected me to the point that I didn't even realize that I've spent my whole life trying to get a specific person to love me and thought if I performed a specific way, this person would accept me and love me. So I've, most of my life, I've got a poor self-image. With that, I've always had this thought in my head that I'm weird, I'm strange, I'm odd. When I read the Bible, I see different things than most other people see. I don't know. It's just how I'm wired. So with that idea, with that understanding, when someone comes to you, to me, and says, man, that was a fantastic, I, you, I've never seen that before. Do you know what my mind does with that? See, you're weird. You're strange. What's wrong with you that nobody else, that you see this and nobody, you must be wrong. When you hold on to who you have been and it becomes the framework for your identity, even compliments, you turn into arrows that pierce your own soul. Yeah. Yeah. But when you let go of the pain of who you have been and embrace a brand new authentic identity that says, I am not who I perform. My performance doesn't affect who I am. I am a child of God. I am holy. I'm righteous. I'm pure. I'm, a, I'm, I'm perfect before the Father. You know what? Then the compliments come, and what we do is instead of turning them into arrows that pierce our soul, we reflect them into arrows that go up to the Father. Yeah. Thank you, Lord God, for Lord God, you've done this in me, not me, myself. Okay? You've got to let go of who you have been and embrace the identity of who God has designed you to be. And that is perfect. So just hang on to that idea. I'm perfect. Well, I'm being perfected. Yeah. All right? Now, show you something else. It's not only going to be a place filled with perfected or tested people. It's going to be filled with people that are true. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on the right and goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your, what's that word? Inheritance. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Do you know what your inheritance is? It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. And what God wants more than anything is for, to use our life to bring heaven to earth. To bring our inheritance into being. Amen. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? 
or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whenever you did this for the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did it unto me. I want you to notice the response from the righteous who did right things. We could, we could extrapolate from this that they didn't even realize they were doing it for Christ. They were just taking care of their brother and their sister in the world that was in need. What did Jesus say the greatest commandment is? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Somewhere else, another scripture talks about how that the blessed are those who haven't seen and have yet believed. I'm going to show you something that's very true that is in this passage. But before I show it to you, it would be much better if we did these four things that he talks about here to prove the, the trueness of our faith. If we just did it because we loved others, not because of who they represent. Let me show you what I mean. Three things. First, truly, we need to truly notice the unnoticed. Truly notice the unnoticed. Amen. On Thursday, um, our family and several others um, spent what, an hour, hour and a half or so driving around downtown, the downtown area, with Pastor Wayne. And um, we, would, we had, I think there was four cars, and we were loaded up with Thanksgiving meals and and uh, desserts. We had all kinds of desserts and uh, water. And uh, I think we had 150 bottles of water and we ended up with only about six. So we gave a bunch of water out um, and a bunch of food. Um, but we'd be following him in this caravan and he would see somebody and he would just whip in. You had to be, you had to be nimble and quick to follow Wayne. <laughs> Because, man, he sees him and his wheel turns. And the first few, you know, yeah, it's all right. But there was this one that struck me. It was on a road that I, I would not have probably gone down. And as Shandra and I were in the car and we were talking and just loving the experience of watching some young adults that have joined the church to see them out serving the homeless. Um, I got a picture of one of these new young men praying with a homeless guy with Wayne, and that, that picture made my day. It's like, dude, this is great. This is awesome. Um, but we pulled into this one camp, and I'm telling you, I would have driven right by it and never even noticed it. They even had a fire going. I mean, it should have been easy to notice, you know? It wasn't like they were hidden in trees. They were right there. But I wouldn't have noticed them because I wasn't looking yeah. for them. Yeah. And the heart of the Father is he's always looking for those that you and I don't notice. And what he wants us to become is people who truly notice the unnoticed. Truly see who they are, where they are. So later on in the, the evening, 
Pastor Wayne invited me to walk with him as, as he walked down this trail. Um, it was like following the Pied Piper, man. I mean, he just yells out, hello, anybody here? And here they come, you know. It didn't so happen on this occasion. Nobody, nobody was there. But as we were walking back, I, I told him, I said, Wayne, you're, you're amazing. This is impressive. And he deflected it right away. And I said, no, the point is, is that I wouldn't have noticed that last camp. I wouldn't have noticed it. And that hit me. We need to learn to notice the unnoticed. We need to learn to notice the ones that need help. If we're going to be tested and true, trueness of faith begins by noticing the unnoticed. Secondly, trueness of faith is seen when we truly love the least. Everybody loves the star. Everybody loves the big name. LeBron James shows up at the Cox Convent or the, the Paycom Center, and there will be people that buy their tickets for that basketball game just to see LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I know because I did it two years ago, so I'm talking about me. Amen. Used to buy my tickets to go see KD. KD can come, ain't nobody gonna go now. <laughs> Everybody loves a star. Everybody loves the big name. Jesus came and always loved the least. The ones, again, that nobody noticed. The little ones. Do you remember the story where Jesus was walking with this crowd of people and these kids come running up to him? And if you've ever watched me, I'm going to clue you in on something. I'm not doing this to make me look good. I'm trying to express express why I do it. And in, in my imagination of this story, when these kids came running to Jesus, I do not think Jesus stood there and said, Hi, kids, how are you? I just think Jesus bent his knee and got down on their level. Yeah. And so that, that scripture has always meant something to me. And I determined early on in my ministry that as best I could, no child would ever have to look up to me. I want to be willing to get down on their level until the day comes that my knees don't bend. <laughs> All right? Because I think that's what Jesus did. When these kids came, he stopped what he was doing. And do you remember the disciples? Get them away. Yeah. Quit bothering the master. Yeah. And aren't we that way sometimes? Yeah. We look at people who have less than we do and we discount them. Yeah. We look at people that are in need and we think, well, if you just did this, you wouldn't be in need anymore. Yeah. Well, you don't know their life. Have you walked in their shoes? Sure. We went to this one last camp, dark of night. Pastor Wayne gets out, makes this call. And you start hearing rumbling in the trees. Now, it's either a wolf, a deer, or his people. I'm praying his people. If it's a wolf, I'm running. If it's a deer, I don't have a gun, darn it. Anyway. So he makes this call, and you hear this rustling. And I mean, no joke. In the dark, you just start, here comes these people. And they were our last stop, so we just unloaded everything. You know, here you go. I mean, we had, we had people, they had stacks of desserts like this. <laughs> and uh, gave them socks. Pastor Wayne gave them socks, ran out of socks, I think. You want, a cool, you, want a, you want a cool thing to do next Sunday? Bring some socks and some gloves. Yeah. It's the little things that mean the most to some people that we discount, See? Anyway, they came and we loaded them up with every, all the, the smoked turkey that we had. There was this one guy who, 
He hadn't even walked back to where his camp was. He opened it up as soon as Pastor Wayne said smoked turkey. He opened it up and took a bite and said, Woo, I like that smoked turkey. <laughs> and um, it was amazing. And then they funneled back, and you saw the, the shadows. I saw them go this way. There was, there was a little uh, pond over here and there. And I looked over at Shandra and I said, I don't know that I could make it one night out here. I don't know what I don't I don't know what I would do. Man. You gotta truly love the least. Yeah. And stop looking down on them because of what they do or don't have. Stop making judgments about people. Come on, we hate it when people judge us. Let's don't judge others. Let's just be Jesus to them and truly love them, truly care for them. It doesn't matter if they're a drug addict, an alcoholic, or, or if they're homeless and out of a job. Yeah. They are people, and we should love them just for that. Do you agree with me? Amen. Now, for those of you that don't agree with me, I'm going to up the ante. <laughs> And I'm sad that we have to up the ante because what I just said should be good enough. Just because they're people, we should love them. But sadly, God knows the heart of humanity. And he knew sometimes we need to up the ante to get humanity to do the right thing. So here we go. You should not only truly notice the unnoticed and truly love the least, but you need to truly see Christ in others. If you've got to have a bigger reason, Jesus said, if you've done it to the least, you've done it to me. If you've got to have it in your brain that if I'm going to help the homeless, I'm also helping Jesus. If I'm going to help the the ones laying on the streets. I'm helping Jesus. If you need to add Jesus in there to get your heart to move, do it. But whatever you do, let's be a church that truly notices the unnoticed, that truly loves the least, and that serves the Christ that's in all people. Amen. That's pretty wimpy, to be honest with you. Oh, but there's reason. If they would just get a job. Hey, you don't know their life. Quit making judgments. That's not our job. Our job is to love the least. Our job is to find those people that are struggling. And I'm not talking about just on the streets. I'm talking about in your life. How many people at your work do you come across that just your kindness could be a light in the midst of their darkened world? Just by a smile or a whispered prayer or a kind gesture. Noticed those that are unnoticed in your world. Let's be people that pull our inheritance of the kingdom of God into our life so that we don't live bruised, but we realize we are blessed. That we realize that we've been healed, but we are also now whole. And who also know, though we are tested, we're going to prove to be true to the Father. We're going to be true to his love. We're going to be true to his righteousness. And when we are true, the kingdom of heaven will manifest through our life in this earth. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that to look at the sheet that's in your worship guide. What could you bring next week to put this word into action? But no, it's not about a sock or a glove or toothpaste or a toothbrush. It's about your heart and caring for other people, caring for the least. Yes. Well, I don't feel called to this. You know, just 
do what God tells you to do. But in everything, realize that all of us are in need. Yes. We put severities on the need, levels on the need. But all of us are in need. And all of our needs are met from the same place. God's abundance through people. There was a time when I was young. I did not know this until much later. Where my mom and dad knew there was nothing in the cupboards. Do you remember that? Nothing in the cupboards. We sat down to eat. And they prayed. And there was a knock a few minutes later at the door. And he opened the door. And no one was there. But there was, I think, three bags of groceries. And God gave us something to eat. How does that happen? Does God just drop three bags from heaven? No. The abundance of the kingdom is manifested through people. And God moves on people. And as people are obedient to God's moving... Blessings come. I want us to be a kingdom church. To be a kingdom church means we got to be kingdom people. To be kingdom people, we got to be kingdom blessers. We got to be people that realize everything that we have is His anyway. So, Father, I'm going to do with what you've given me what you tell me to do. And I'm going to trust you to take care of everything else. Because as we become conduits like that, we become, think about this, you could be someone's. Christmas miracle this year. You. God can use you to bless someone else and to bring the kingdom to them. Maybe, maybe for you, your, 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 uh, your way of doing that is, is in giving finances. Fine, do that. Maybe for you, you you're the kind of person that, that, gets, that likes getting in the nitty gritty and, and getting on the ground with people like Wayne or, or others. Man, do that. Maybe for you, you're a behind-the-scenes person and your part would be putting the packets together and praying over the packets as you seal up each packet, praying that what is included in this packet would bring love and joy and peace to someone who receives it. Great, do that. But as we all do our part, the kingdom begins to manifest. Maybe for you, maybe for you, you need to get out of your bubble and Go with Pastor Wayne and be that person who's standing there praying for somebody. Hey, you hurting? Let me pray for you right now. What if the kingdom came to you right now? If we never put ourselves in those positions, we'll never see the kingdom manifest, is my point. All right? So I would encourage you. Look at that list. Join us next Sunday at 5 o'clock. It's going to be a great night. be a lot of fun putting some things together for other people. Today. I bless you and I challenge you to realize your tests and your trials have a purpose and they're proving the trueness of your faith. And our faith is proven by how we notice the unnoticed, how we care for the least, and how we serve the Jesus in all people.